sassy Little bit crazy, little bit classy We got dreams and we got goals We're just a couple of old sassholes Governor. Every time. I can't help it. If I go, hello, governor's coming out afterwards. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to a couple of Sassholes podcast. I'm Brooklyn Maple. And I'm Heather Terry. And this is a, I already said, it's a couple of Sassholes. <laughs> In case you guys didn't know, now you know. Maybe they skipped ahead four seconds and missed that part. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> I love Heather's so far away from the mic because her mic just picks up her eyes blinking <laughs> yeah my eyelashes made wind in the microphone earlier so i'm literally like in the other room screaming like i'm a yodeler on a mountain it's what it looks like it, it, it's very funny, <laughs> it's really far away. I know. jordan will love that as he still says that you're louder than me <laughs> thanks producer jordan hey so yeah this is if you don't know it's a it's a true crime podcast yes where we talk about fucked up shit yeah that was my big that was, your, that was your big one, huh? Yeah. Heather's been gone. This is my first time seeing her in nine days. I know. She got the vid. I did. 3.5 years. Finally got me down. Maybe circa 2020 over here. I know. Heather. I'm late to the party. So I don't. Late. I don't like to do it when it's trendy. I like to do it when no one cares about it. And they're like, eh, she just has COVID. And I was literally like dying. <laughs> yep. Everyone's like, now that you got it, no one cares. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Whatever. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm thankful to be back. I'm thankful to see people. My Becky. I get to... Touch well today because I haven't seen. Well, he's been. He didn't have it. He tested five times, so he was locked in. I was Damn. locked in the bedroom like a prisoner. And my dog thinks we're getting a divorce. Maybe so. you guys should because he's obviously stronger than you. <laughs> <laughs> my comment is always survival, survival of the fittest. And now we fight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he didn't get it, man. Every time somebody came into our home with it, I don't either. I have no idea. Mm. He took tests like a crazy person too. I bet he did. Yeah. And anywho, well, was, I'm glad that you're. Be careful, everyone, because it is not fun. Well, sure. I, there's nothing you can do about it. There Don't be really careful, isn't. guys. I yeah. use uh, Bath and Body Works hand sand <laughs> so that you smell like a fresh little pumpkin. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of pumpkin, Brooklyn brought me some pumpkin coffee that she made, and it is delightful. I did. I so, made a PSL, a pumpkin spice latte for the four people who didn't know what a PSL was. So if you hear the ice. Yep, that's me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Either your head button the microphone or, which I definitely won't today. I'm right. 45 miles away from it. But. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good. It was, it was one of the Pinterest ones in the crock pot. Mm-hmm. So it's just a whole bunch of coffee, some heavy cream. I think some nutmeg, maybe some ground cinnamon. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And oh, yeah, there's there's pumpkin puree in there, which is that really um, sexy, gritty, <laughs> sexy, <laughs> gritty, gritty texture that you got going on there. Yeah, it's fine, though. I need it. I'm it, glad. Yeah. I am so glad. I yeah. I don't. I got I just banter. We should talk about some things. First, let's talk about fucking Danny Masterson. Oh, my God. That 70s show. Fuck so him. I was so bummed. I was watching The Ranch whenever he got kicked off for it. And I was like, I was very much. That Netflix show? Yeah. Ranch? I automatically. I Oh, man, this will get me hate fucking stares. But I automatically feel like when it's a famous person, it's a lie. I hate to say it, but I thought the same thing with the guy who played big in Sex and the City. I was uh, Chris Noth. I was like. They are famous and they're good looking. They can get the poontang. 
They can literally go anywhere and get some poons. These stories were too fucked up, though. For oh, them and that's to... the thing, same thing with Chris Noth. I, I read his shit and I was like, fuck you. Fuck you, you fucking asshole. Yeah. Fuck you, rapist. Yeah. I, I was so angry. And it's and that's what sucked, too. I was like, no, it can't be. And then I remember looking into it and looking into the stories and, re- and realizing they were just terrible mm-hmm. and being like, this isn't made up. You got to you have a little moment of where you hope that it wasn't true. Yeah. And I hate where there's some people who cry wolf that make it look bad for the yeah. others. But I did believe them for some reason, because I think because it had to do with Scientology. I didn't know anything about the yeah. Scientology part. And, well, I love Leah Remini and Mike Render. They have a podcast and stuff about it because they like battle them all the time. So I just followed them and I'd heard about all that other stuff through them. So when this came out, I was like, of course he did. And then did you see where Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, mm-hmm. they had they came back and were like, his family asked us to do it. We did it. We weren't taken away from the victims. Right. They had to re-release a statement because they were only supposed to show that to the judge about what they knew of him publicly. Yeah. So kind of. I mean, that has to be hard. Usually raping isn't a thing that you do publicly with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, oh, yeah. we went to dinner and then we, we did some rapes. Yeah. Like, that's I mean, not really the... Yeah, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, that's how my guy is in my story today. Nobody yeah. knew who he really was. You never. You, you so, know, like, if the character witness that knew him from work wouldn't know who he was behind closed doors. So, you never know. And that's everyone. That's mm-hmm. everything. I could character witness the fuck out of people here at work, but I don't know if they got somebody chained up in their basement. <laughs> Which, honestly, I don't know if I'd be too shocked. Right. <laughs> Nothing would shock me anymore. So, I was in my car yesterday trying to hook up my... Um, Alexa in my vehicle because I mm-hmm. had unplugged it or whatever. And fucking Travis, I told him I grabbed my keys. I was like, I'm going to do something real quick. I'm not leaving. And he comes up and just just opens it. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, you don't fucking do that to someone who has a true crime podcast, Travis. My God. My God. You just made me shit myself. It scared the living shit out of me because I was looking the other way and like not even don't do that. He knows better than to do that. Motherfucker. That's what I got to say. Yeah. Yeah, motherfucker. Are you... It's the 10th. Will the next time that we record, will you be older? No. Nope. Nope. Oh, we nope. record on the 14th. You are right. <laughs> but I appreciate you yeah. for trying to give me a birthday shout out. Well, I was really just calling you out for getting old, but... Oh, well, you I just have to remind me every fucking time yep. that I am two years older than you. And you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. So, yeah, we got some shit going on. We do. Rock, some paper, scissors. What do you want to do? I don't know. Do you want to go first? Because you just came out of the COVID and you haven't been talking. You know what? I have words. I think I should. To speak. I do have words to speak. Yeah, you speak those fucking words. All the way back here on the wall. I'm going to speak these (laughs) You can barely even hear your words. Like, what are you saying? (laughs) You'll have to listen to the podcast just so you can hear. I'm going to try to drink my drink far away from the mic as well. I could do it too. It'll pick up on your mic. (laughs) (laughs) We could do it together. Well, now I want to drink because you're doing it. Mm Mm-hmm. That's usually how that works. <laughs> that is how that works. For everyone always. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today I'm going to tell you the story of Vincent Brothers. Have you ever heard of this man? Because I knew when you saw the notes, you probably thought it was two brothers with the last name of Vincent. That's actually 100%. His, I knew you did. And that's actually his last name. I don't give it much thought. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I don't want you to. <laughs> good. Good. But I mean, dude, I'd never heard of this one before. I literally just stumbled across it when I was in COVID jail. There are no bells that are ringing. No bells? Nope. No whistles? Nope. Okay. My sources, I know you're going to be shocked, Wikipedia. <gasps> What's that? <laughs> What's that? Well, no. Mm-hmm. KGE, wait, wow. KGET.com, Bakersfield.com, and then an episode of Crime Cave Podcast. Okay. 
So Joni Harper was born on November 14th, 1963. She had a very religious and respected family in their community there in Bakersfield. She was a stellar athlete and apparently was really good at basketball in high school. And then later on, she was actually a Division I uh, women's basketball referee on the side just for fun. So she loved it. From 1994 on, Joni was the campus supervisor at Bakersfield City School District, which basically meant she was over security and safety for the schools, mm-hmm. which I didn't know they had. Ernestine, yeah, I hope they would have. Right? I know. Especially now. Yeah. Hashtag gun violence. But I mean, 94, you would, I don't, I don't know. Um, what was that thing? Columbine. Columbine. That happened. I don't remember when that was. I'll find out. Okay. I don't know why this is just adding no value to anything. To our My lo- apologies. It's because no, I haven't seen you in a long time. I'm also... <laughs> mildly hungover and i'm just pulling my shit together you got it as an adult anymore it's like i'm not hungover i'm just tired so i'm trying really hard to fire on all my cylinders yeah and i'm over here with covid brain so like this is, this is gonna be our best episode this is gonna be a chart topper okay wow the emphasis on your p on top i gotta was, hit that p hard oh um it was in 99 okay so Ernestine Harper was Joni's mom, and she was a huge in community activism. She fought for, like, the wrongfully accused and seemed fearless to everyone. She never she never backed down. People really liked her, too. They lived in a troubled neighborhood, so Joni also dedicated time to helping troubled youth in the area stay, like, on the straight and narrow. narrow. I'm telling you, <laughs> we are a power couple today. We are, and we look like one. <laughs> The important thing is that we look like it. Yes, we do. (laughs) Basically, Ernestine was a badass, and then she raised Joni to be the same way. And through Joni's job, she met a man named Vincent Brothers, and he was the vice principal at Fremont Elementary School. I didn't even know they had vice principals in elementary schools. Yeah, they have them everywhere. I I have no idea. I went to a small one. We don't even have kids. I couldn't fucking tell you shit about the school system today. (laughs) I don't know anything. Vincent. (laughs) You tell me they have three vice presidents. I'd be like... I said presidents. <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, no. just... Man, you guys, there. we have other episodes. This is our 64th. We have several others if you'd just like to go to those. <laughs> we promise we're good. Uh, it's... <laughs> All right, we got it. We got it. We got it. Game face. Game face. Vincent Edward Brothers was born on May 31st, 1962, and had a, a single mom who raised him and 10 other kids in Long Island, I, Long Island New York. Single Damn. mom, 11 children. Oof. Yeah, I know. That doesn't sound like a fun time. I want to know where the dad was. I, I don't have any info on, hardly any on that. I think he was in the military, and somehow oh, okay. he, like not his dad, Vincent. And then he ended up in California and started working in education. People described him as, quote, a stern leader who mixed encouragement and discipline in daily lessons to young people on how to survive in tough neighborhoods. The kids loved him and they respected him. They even, like, ran up to him whenever he got there to school and they were super excited to see him. Oh, good. Vincent and Joni became pillars of their community and had a reputation, like, as a tag team in the community help because they both had a passion for helping children. Cute. Mm Mm-hmm. They were even featured on the news, and Vincent was named the caring vice principal and all that. So they, there were a lot of clips online of them. Like, they would walk kids uh, home. I'm like, about to get mad. I can already tell. I'm getting mad. You are. Fuck. You are. But they would, like, walk kids home from like school and talk to them about their home life. And, like, parents were interviewed on the news saying how great of people they were and all that stuff. So. Do you like how I go, I have a feeling something bad is going to happen. You fucking idiot. This is a true crime podcast. Of course something bad's going to well, happen. I just wanted to give oh, you the my. mystery. Okay, so set the scene. Basically, power couple outside looking in, they were perfect. But however, that's not what it was. 
They were definitely on again, off again, to say the least, and they had a lot of problems. Joni had their first son, Marcus Harper, and he didn't even give him his last name, by the way, on November 15th, 1998. Joni and Vincent decided finally to become official official and got married in January of 2000, and then they moved in together. Two weeks later, Joni drew up papers to separate and said nullification based on fraud as her reason. Huh. Vincent failed to tell her that he had been divorced three times before this. Oh. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. She dug up a lot of shit. He got mad at her because he would just disappear for days at a time and then flip his shit whenever she'd ask where, where he was because he just wouldn't answer his phone. He would just oh, leave. my gosh. He would just leave. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I would. Mm, the yeah. D word would definitely be happening. Oh, yeah. Death. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of exes, his first wife, Shan Kern, had his daughter, Margaret, in 1988. Shortly after, when Shan asked him, like, why are you doing that Houdini shit again, like he did with Joni, and he beat the shit out of her, and then he got arrested for spousal abuse. Hmm. His second marriage was due to the same shit, but he threatened to murder her. Oh, sounds like a stand-up guy in the community. And every time he would go cheat, then he would get mad. Like, Oh, my gosh. Was he good looking? You can look him up. Don't mind if I do. Okay. I believe I will. Yeah. He was cheating constantly, like I said. So Joni, for some reason, bless her, kept going back to him. And she had their daughter, Lindsay, on August 5th in 2000. No, he is not good looking at all. He reminds me of a um, a turtle. He does kind of. What's that one famous turtle? Yeah, cartoon. What's his name? I don't know. The famous turtle guy. Turtle. Fuck, Terry the turtle. I don't know. Everyone's Terry the turtle. Uh, Cartoon turtle. (laughs) Okay. So. Get this. January of 2000. <laughs> Sorry. What's his name? Sorry. They just showed like him walking. And it's just like, that is, he totally looks like that guy. Yeah, he does. Okay. Uh, Cecil. Cecil. Cecil Turtle. <laughs> anyway. I'm done. Oh I quit. I quit. It's fine. Okay. January 2003, they decided to get married yet again in Vegas. Nobody wanted this, of course, but these two, even her best friend refused to go and was Ooh. like, this is not a good idea. So now I'm not going. Ooh, yeah. burn, burn, burn. No, no, no. And how long do you think that lasted? Um, for uh, eight days. Four months. Oh. It lasted till April. Vincent moved out four months later, and he blamed it all on Ernestine, his mother-in-law, because she lived with them, too. And That's usually not a sign of a successful... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If we were living with my mom, me and Travis would be fighting. <laughs> If but we like, were living with Travis's mom, me and Travis would be fighting. <laughs> here's the thing. Like, she probably saw how he treated her and just disappeared and got on his shit when it because she oh, never sure. bit her tongue. So she's probably like, why are you treating my daughter like a fucking asshole? Which I would, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and during this time, Joni was pregnant and had their third child, Marshall, in May of 2003. Okay. <sighs> July 2nd, 2003. Vincent was like, hey, I'm going to go on a trip to see my brother in Columbus, Ohio for the 4th of July holiday. Because clearly things were going very swimmingly in their relationship. So it didn't matter if he went across the country, right? While there, he got a Dodge Neon and then ended up driving down to North Carolina with his brother to visit his mom. Cute. Now, back in California on July 6th, Joni, her mom, and the three kids, they got up, went to church. And that was the first time she had taken little baby Marshall, who was two months old, to church. And everybody was excited because they were very active there. So she was all excited about that. They picked up their best friends, and they went to a holiday cookout, and then they went home to take a nap. Like, they went to church, went to a cookout, and she was like, I'm freaking tired. I have a two-month-old and kids. Like, I need a nap. They didn't. I need a nap. I feel <laughs> that. Right. 
When they didn't show up for church that night, Johnny's best friend, Kelsey, was really freaked out. And she didn't answer her for two days. So she was like, fuck this. And then about 7 a.m. on July 8th, she went over to their house. So it took, okay. Wow, that's a lot of church action. Let's first just highlight, mm-hmm. I can't go morning, noon, and night. Yeah, the timelines on those are different. I read a lot of different things. Some people said that all happened in the same day. Some people said the cookout was the day before. Uh, who cares? It's all, it, that part's kind of irrelevant. Either way, they were tired. Had to go to night church. Yeah. Nap. Night, night church. I didn't know what it's called. I evening just, services. I guess. I evening fucking... worship. That's yeah. I gotta hate the word worship. Anyway. Okay. So, so they waited two days. That's a kind of a long time, friend. Yeah. Okay. Four Kelsey found the entire family dead. <gasps> Stop. The whole family. When the cops got there, it was really bad. Ernestine was shot twice in the face at point blank range in the hallway. They found Joni and her three kids in the bedroom laying where they went to nap before the church. Aww. Joni had been shot in the arm and two times in the head and had seven stab wounds in the back that were post-gunshot. Two-year-old Lindsay was shot in the back. Marcus, who was four at the time, was on his bed beside his mom. His eyes were open, and he was covered under a sheet, and he was shot in the head through the sheet. So he was awake. At first, they thought baby Marshall was missing, but they found him under a pillow, (gasps) and he had a gunshot wound to the back also. I hate all of this. How the fuck? Yeah. Hmm. All of this. And then they said that there was a couple, it looked like a state robbery, couple like purses, both their purses You're were turned gonna, over. You're uh, f- an- annihilate a family for a purse that's and what a they TV. Were, that's what they were saying. And the fact that she was stabbed after she was shot. You're not going to take the time to yeah. do that. The cops found Vincent in North Carolina at his mom's and they obviously took him in. They released him 12 hours later though because they didn't have enough to hold him. I'm sure. Yeah. He was free for 10 months. And then rearrested and went to trial in 2007. But of course, like, how the hell did he do this when he was in Ohio and North Carolina? But remember, he flew to see his brother, and then the two went down in that shitty neon, like, to see him. He hasn't mentioned that's not that far. Like, we're not talking California to Maine. I mean, yeah, but it's still, you know, like 36 hours away or something. Like, it's pretty far, like, of a drive. North Carolina and Ohio? No, to from Ohio and North Carolina to California. Oh, because it happened. Oh, I was I was like, yeah. sis, Ohio to North Carolina no, is no, not no. far. But like across the country, like he was across. He was supposed to be in Ohio because he had credit card receipts. Right, and, the and his cell phone where? was pinging in Columbus, Bakersfield, North in California. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, firing all the cylinders. Fin- yeah. <laughs> so now you, see, you okay? We're good. Yes. yes okay. The math is mathing. Good. Okay. And the defense attorney was like, so maybe someone got mad at Ernestine because she was such an activist and all that. So they thought that maybe they just got mad at her for helping people like a wrongfully accused out of jail or something. Took it out on the whole family. But either way, y'all, like he was that's 2000 miles away is what they were trying to say. However, the rental car that he had, which apparently was like brand new whenever he got it, it he when he turned it back in, it had 5400 miles on it. And Vincent was like, what a fucking idiot. OK, you know I what wanna... he said? He, he said. He goes, oh, I was, I was like, we were taking a joyride. 5,400, you take road trips. 5,400 miles, he said he did. And for, all right, for me to drive from Evansville, Indiana to Miami, Florida Mm -hmm. was like 2,100 miles. I mean, so I'm like, and that was was like a 20 hour drive that was exhausting. And you're like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah. My gosh. The prosecutor was like, you're a fucking liar. He, he, when he, they put him on the stand, first of all, which, I didn't watch that because it would just make me mad because of how bad the murder was. But he lied 41 times while he was testifying about shit. She counted and she 
rebuttaled every single one of them because they had like over 140 witnesses total or 37 or something. So they found security camera footage uh, of the credit card receipts and Croft referenced. And it was Melvin, who was his brother back in Ohio. And he was like, oh, no, that wasn't me. And they're like, we literally have you on camera, dude. And then he, he finally caved and was like, well, my brother made me do that. They found oh they also found a glove with Vincent's DNA under Joni's purse. O.J. Simpson? Is that- <laughs> right. He, he tried to say he was doing work over in the house for them before he left for his trip. Like, because they were fixing something and he left it over there. Oh, my God. Just happened to be under her overturned purse of a crime scene. But anyway. Also, a neighbor testified that she'd seen Vincent around the back, back patio door around that time when they were they were supposed to be killed. The most interesting thing, though, that I read was, like, just to prove that he, they were able to prove that he wasn't on an East Coast joyride because bug guts. I know. Listen. That's smart. Right? Yeah, so certain bug, bugs in certain areas. Yeah. And I didn't. I never once given this a lick of thought. So bug expert found parts of bugs like outside and inside of the car that were only found west of the Rockies on two two of the paths that you could take to get from where he was to California. So there's no way he was innocent. I really love whenever they do their jobs. Yeah. And when well. They, yeah. <laughs> no, that's literally doing their job. But like, yeah. yeah. Because when he when they went to tell him at his mom's house that the family was killed, right, then he he was like, yeah, he Apparently, quote unquote, freaked out. His mom said he did. No one saw it. But then when they went to tell him, his family was like, because they got a hold of his mom first because they couldn't get a hold of him. Well, when he got there, they tell him that his whole family's dead. Which would be the most devastating thing in the whole world. Yeah. So he freaks out. And they were like, we obviously, they, you know, the husband did it. That's what they always say. So they want to bring him in. Well, when they bring him in, he's like, I'll come in the next day. I need to process this. He comes in the next day. He won't talk to him at all. And he's got a lawyer already in California. Like overnight. So As he, he should have. Yeah. But he already looks suspect. But at the end of the day. Yeah. If you are a man and your whole family got killed, you better walk in with an attorney. Right. Anyone. You can still talk to him. If just, I get murdered, you bring an attorney. Yeah, I will, you know but I'm not going to be like, well, I'm not talking to you. Like, yeah, they you said would. his demeanor totally changed a I little don't, bit. Oh, man, I, the, I'm sure it did. Yeah. I'm just also thinking, too, like, usually when those things happen, they don't make them do it the same day because they're in shock. Yeah. Usually so, not whenever, though, if you're the one that killed the right? entire family. But. I know. So it takes 32 hours to get from Columbus to Bakersfield, and he did all this on no sleep. He used only cash. He went to small rest areas that he knew didn't have cameras somehow. He would, like, scope them out, and if they had cameras, he'd go somewhere else in 32 hours. So psycho. Like, how angry would you have to be to drive for 32 hours and try that? Like, no. His motive was selfishness and greed. She had told him right before he left that she was going to file for full custody and make him pay child support, and he wanted to be a cheating shithead. And not pay for his family. Motherfucker, man. I know. <clears throat> he wanted to run around and be a hoe and not have to fuck with his family anymore. I totally, I get wanting to, you know, fucking go to Pound Town weekly in different villages, if you will. Villages. But the fact that, like, it was so unnecessary, like, yeah, you do need to pay for your family, but you also don't have to take care of all these fucking kids. I think you'd be like, score. Like, right? He, like, I don't have to fuck with these kids. I don't even have to have custody, so I don't even have to fucking deal with my little annoying shit. He didn't want to He didn't want to financially pay I'm for sure, it. I'm sure, I know. He wasn't even there for two of their births. Like, he was... Oh, my God. In, behind closed doors, he was a piece of shit, obviously. In May of 2007, Vincent mm-hmm. Brothers was found guilty on five counts of first-degree murder with special circumstances for multiple murders. He was sentenced to death by lethal injection and put on death row. And then there's something with they overturned the death penalty. He's still there in San Quentin. Ooh, right San Quentin. Mm-hmm. I hope holding somebody's pocket. Oh, he's his butthole is definitely stretched out. Oh, for I hope it is. Yeah. 
I hope whenever he sneezes, he poops a little. <laughs> That's what I hope. Hot dog hallway. Yeah. Yes. I hope. I hope every time he sneezes, he has to go whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I hope. I can't wait. Those are my hopes. I wish those are my could. hopes and dreams. <laughs> it's nice to have those. Yes. Okay, so you remember Margaret, like his first baby from 1988, like mm-hmm. his first daughter. She's 18 now, and she actually had a relationship with— Wait, she's, his first baby from— His first baby from his other marriage, right, the one that he got 19, arrested for from— In 1988, but she's 18 now? Dude, I'm from 87, and I am 35. I don't know. Did she, at the time— <laughs> The math is a math thing. I put a lot of stuff together. No, I hear it. So at the time that that was written, whoever wrote that, she had, she was 18. Sure. I'm going to say she that. She was an adult. Yes. <laughs> We're just going to say adult. I was like, because she's now 35, People are here 34. for the facts. She, she has AARP. No, no. Hey. <laughs> so anyway, his adult daughter. Yes. She had a relationship with the Harpers. Like, she loved her step-siblings, and even though her dad didn't really give a shit, Joni was so nice, she actually let her come around, and they worked together a lot. Oh. So she looked him in the eye at his sentencing and said, and I quote, she was resigning from brother's family and forever be Margaret Kern. She walked out right after she called her dad, just a man handcuffed to a chair. She literally just walked out of the room like a badass. That's not like a movie. Yeah, and they set it up to where she gets any money, like if there's any life insurance or anything, she gets all of it, which is good. Like I said, he's still there in San Quentin, and I hope his life is fucking terrible. And that is the sad story of the family annihilator, Vincent Edward Brothers, who killed Ernestine Harper, Joni Harper, Marcus Harper, Lindsay Harper, and baby Marshall. My gosh. I do have a question that I couldn't find the answer to. There was another girl that, because, like, obviously he had a past, but he was also in the school system. And I feel like there was a lot of covering ups or something. Uh, because one time, there was a girl that worked with him. And she said he came to her house. He, like, said, can I come in and talk? And she's like, yeah, because they work together or whatever. He tried to take her clothes off and take pictures of her after he hit her. And then she somehow got out because she tried to call the cops, and he hit the phone out of her hand. She gets out to her car. She goes to the police station. He's got such a good reputation in the community publicly that they urge her to reconsider. So she doesn't file charges. So then she goes to the school where he worked, and it wasn't Fremont's one before that. And she goes to the school, and she's like, this dude literally came into my house and tried to take naked pictures of me and hit me. And they were like, well, we'll look into it. He never got formally charged with anything. Like, they didn't do any disciplinary action, and then they just transferred him to Fremont as a vice principal. So I want to know, there's some shady shit that was happening behind the scenes because he did so much good work publicly, I think. My God. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like such an aggressive behavior. Yeah. Now you're with little kids. I know. He was definitely like, uh, it just makes me sick to think. And then all those parents that were going on the news and I heard recordings of them saying like, you know, he helped my kids so much. They love him. He cares so much about that. And then to hear that he did that to his own children. Right. Yeah. Like the one kid was awake. Their kids. Yeah. I know. Well, I mean, he got some of them in the back. They were just, I mean, what the fuck? Why? Yeah. The one in the bed with her was awake. His eyes were open. Yeah. And he had bitten through his hand. He was so scared, he bit through his own hand to bone when they found him. Oh, so, that's so sad. I know. Sorry for the bummer, but I well, fucking hate that guy. I fucking hate him, too. I know. All of our merch is just like, fuck random murderers' names. <laughs> like, fuck Vincent Brothers. <laughs> right. All the time. That's what I think it should be. I mean, why not? I don't know. Are you going to keep it on this sad bandwagon? No. This one's a really fun one. Good. 
<laughs> it's no, this one's actually really wild. Okay. Yeah. So there's, I mean, yeah, it sucks, but I'm also like. Interesting. Tell yeah. me a story. It happened. We can talk about it. Yeah. So let's taco about it, if you will. Okay. I used all that's interesting.com. I, I also, um, I wrote Reddit, but I don't think there's a single thing that I took from Reddit, but it's on my piece of paper. And so I'm saying <laughs> it out loud because I don't, I really don't think I did. And then my slutty little hoe, Wiki. Always got to use her. <laughs> so our story begins with a lovely older couple named Fred and Edwina Rogers. Fred is a glorious 81-year-old retired real estate salesman. And Edwina mm. is 79. And she was banging because yeah. she was a sales rep. Awesome. And I just feel like this was back in 1965 where we weren't allowed to do anything but have kind of boring sex, play Mission, with kids. Missionary and bake pies. And bake casseroles. Yeah. I felt like that's what... That's what was going on back there. But she was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to sell encyclopedias. Good for her. Yeah. But she made bang, too. I mean, I don't know. I saw photos of the house, and I don't know that that's a fact. But who knows? In my head, she did well. Yeah. <laughs> in, in my head, she did, too. Okay. I agree. Good. They live in Houston, Texas, and they have one son together, and his name's Charles Frederick Rogers. Fred, his dad, that is short for Frederick. <laughs> Mind-blowing. <laughs> this is... We keep you on your toes, listeners. We keep you guys on your toes. That's why they keep coming back for more. I know. Don't blame you at all. <laughs> for math and facts. Fact, math, math and facts. <laughs> math and facts. That's, that's what our fucking podcast name should be, just math and facts. <laughs> so this guy is really fucking smart, though. They okay. they basically bred a genius. He's a seismologist and a fucking pilot. What is a seismologist? I knew you'd ask. Is that earthquakes? A seismologist earthquakes? is a scientist who studies earthquakes yes! and seismic waves. Seismologists are experts in seismology, <laughs> which is the study of earthquakes and their effects, such as tsunamis and landslides. They use seismographs and computer equipment to collect and analyze data on seismic events. And there you have it. I don't know. How I knew that, that is my story of Fred and Adrienne. <laughs> she just wanted to read a. I just wanted you guys to know. That's right. I like definitions. Um, Charles <laughs> Rogers. He ends up enrolling in Texas A&M University in 1942. He later drops out. He then enrolls at the University of Houston, where he earned a bachelor's of science uh, degree in nuclear physics. <laughs> as one does. Right. As one does. <laughs> It's amazing. I have one of those. You do? Yeah. I, I just thought that's what was hanging in your office. Went and did it. Went and did it and talked about it and got a piece of paper for I it. I did mine online during COVID. I COVID feel that. Lockdown. Well, after that, he was like, I guess I should fight wars. Mm -hmm. So during World War II, he ends up being a pilot in oh. the United States Navy. Whoa. Hot. And, okay, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. <laughs> Talk to him, goose. Right. <laughs> And then he also served in the Office of Naval Intelligence as well. So he was like, sexy, sprinkle on more hot. I mean, let's yeah. do it. After the war, he worked as a seismologist for Shell Oil for nine years. And then he abruptly quits his job in 1957 without giving any explanation. Oh. Very weird. That's weird. He's known uh, by his friends as being super, super intelligent. Duh. I mean, <laughs> duh. What? They were like, he's a smart guy. F fuck? For real? I had wow. no idea with all of that, those accolades. It sounded like mediocrity until you said his friend said he was smart. <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I hard bet hitting right. news. That's <laughs> it's hard hitting news. I'm here to give you hard hitting news and I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> so anyway, he has a talent for finding gas. So as a seismologist and as a pilot, he ends up using his prowess on figuring out where gas is for oil companies. Huh. Okay. And gold. Oh, wow. Yeah. Finds the money. Yeah. 
You ain't lying. Big, big pieces of money. He also speaks seven different languages. And he had an interest in ham radios. And I was like, Heather's going to laugh because ham radios were the earliest radios. And they were just called ham radios. Hand? Ham. Like Like what I used to sell. Ham. Yeah. Ham radios. And they're really, really complex. It's literally, essentially, obviously for communication from military, but it was also used for entertainment too. But it was the the intro, intro fucking radios. What does that only form? I didn't look that part up because I I have more to tell you. In my head, shaped like a pig. But anyway, keep going. Okay, that's stupid. But I you said ham. In the mid-1950s, Rogers joined the Civil Air Patrol, where he reportedly met this guy named David Ferry, an alleged conspirator in the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Oh. I know. So peep this. Rogers' life was documented in the 1992 book The Man on the Grassy Knoll by John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers. According to this work, Rogers was a CIA agent who was postulated to have impersonated Lee Harvey Oswald in Mexico City and along with Charles Harrelson was one of the two shooters involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. What? Yeah. The authors contend that Rogers, Harrelson, and Chauncey Holt were the three tramps who were arrested in the Dealey Plaza after the assassination. Whoa. Isn't that Harrelson guy Woody's dad? I don't know. I feel like that's true. It, it would make sense. Speculation. <laughs> good good but call. But Chauncey. I know. Oh, Chauncey. I know. Doesn't what a that name. just sound like a fun French gay guy? Chauncey. It does. Right? Yeah. Like, I would love to hang out with Chauncey. I also feel like he's just a smooth, smooth dresser. Not this Chauncey. Not yeah. one that got arrested. Another Chauncey. A different one. In France. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah. So let's get back. Let's get back to where we were. Okay. Okay. Shall we? Uh, We're going to ratch around and we're going to talk about where he, at at the time of what I'm now going to tell you about. Okay. He is jobless and living with his parents. Okay. Wow. So we, we turned left and right. We pivoted and here we are. Okay. On June 26, 1965, two Houston police officers are dispatched to their home to conduct a welfare check after Edwina's nephew, Marvin, reported that all of his phone calls were basically going unanswered to his aunt and it had been days. And so he was like, "Uh, this is making me uncomfortable. Can you guys please go check out my aunt and uncle? Yeah. They knock on the door and no one answers. And so the officers are like, fuck this. And they bust around, blow through that front door like it's nobody's business. Upon entering, the officers find, and I I love how it goes, the officers found nothing unusual, but noticed that there was food sitting on the dining room table. I'm like, that is unusual. Just food out? Just food out. Like, they were sitting down having a meal, and Uh then just gone. Weird. Hashtag, that is unusual. Hard-hitting facts. (laughs) One officer decides to open up the refrigerator. I'll never understand this. I will never understand. Why he got in the fridge? Oh, I'm nosy. I'd look in the fridge. I, you're looking for two adults, and he's like, oh, just let's see. Well, what maybe kind he of- could be like, well, if they leave food out, what's in here? Yeah, I, I would. Who knows? I'm nosy. I would look through it. I get it. Yeah. I get it. And whenever he opens up the refrigerator, he finds what looks like numerous cuts of washed, unwrapped meat that's neatly stacked on the shelves. Don't you tell me. He assumes automatically he's like, oh, it's probably just a hog meat. Like they butchered a hog, and here is their unwrapped meats. Yes. Oh, I don't want you to get So that. whenever he goes to close the refrigerator door, he just happens to like glance down and he looks in the vegetable drawer no. where he finds two human heads. No, shut up. Stop it. No. Yeah. Two heads just sitting in the veggie bin. No. I wonder how, what the humidity level was on. Becky. <laughs> 
high or low? Yes or no? The heads were those of Fred and Edwina Rogers. What the officer obviously initially thought were unwrapped cuts of hog meat were actually the couple's dismembered limbs and torsos. Oh, Jesus. And you would never guess that by the hunks of meat. Like, you'll never fucking get that from the photos. Uh, police later discovered... Police later discovered the couple's organs in a nearby sewer. No. Because, of course, they had been removed, cut up, and flushed down the toilet. What the fuck are you saying? Like, what? Tell me this. What the fuck are you saying? I don't know. <laughs> I agree, ma'am. I don't know what terrible, the fuck. terrible, and I'm mad. I and mean, apparently at you. I, so keep, I know. Keep I, going. This my is apologies awful. for what I did in the, in 1965. This is awful. The other body parts, they never found them. Mm. I'm impressed that they looked in the sewer system, to be very honest. I mean, I'm they sound impressed. like they're... There's moments where you're like, wow, it was so obvious that John killed Jacob. Why are you not doing anything? There's literally evidence of John killing Jacob. And they're like, let's check the sewers. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Right. Chauncey. Chauncey. <laughs> doing your work. Police determined that Fred and Edwina Rogers had been killed on June 20th, which just happens to be Father's Day. Oh, jeez. I know. Once the autopsy was completed, they could better understand how they both had passed away. Fred was bludgeoned to death with a claw hammer, which Mm. is just a hammer, but we also called it a claw hammer. His eyes had been gouged out Mm. and his genitalia was removed. What the fuck? Edwina had been beaten and shot execution style in the head. Police further said that the bodies were dismembered in the upstairs bathroom by someone with some knowledge of anatomy. Mm. And that's a quote. There was little blood in the house and it appeared it had been thoroughly cleaned after the murders. What little blood was found led to Charles's bedroom. There, police found a bloodstained keyhole saw, which looks like an ice pick. I had to Google that because I was like, what's a keyhole saw? And it looks like an ice pick but like a saw. So basically, if you would think it was, it's really, really small. It's like this. Okay. And then gets a little bigger. Huh. So I'm going to guess that's what he used to dismember the bodies. Ugh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's no, there's obviously no tra- trace of Charles. Yeah, a search where the for fuck him, is he? A search for him was launched and a warrant was issued for him as basically just to start a material witness to the crime. He was never, ever found. Shut up. Never found. Like ever? Homeboy just disappeared. Let's talk about some theories. The theory that the book I had mentioned before was based on is that Charles killed his parents because his mother was tracking his many telephone calls. Those that believe this said that he fled to Guatemala. I don't understand. Just (laughs) I don't know why why Guatemala. Well, we'll keep going. Publishers Weekly reviewed the book, stating the authors do a workmanlike job with the with their thesis. But the degree of poetic license in terms of re constructed dialogue and attributed thought seems excessive here and sourcing is virtually non-existent assassination buffs however will welcome the book for its novelty value and its easy readability so basically they're like you churched it up but we're gonna let it stand yeah basically 10 years end up passing and charles rogers is still never found in 1975 a houston judge declares him legally dead so that his estate can be probated to this day the case still remains officially unsolved, and he still remains as the only suspect. Where the fuck did he go? So let's talk about a whole nother random fucking path that could have taken here. This one tantalizes my insides. I don't know where you're going. I didn't know where I was going either. <laughs> Houston forensic accountant Hugh Gardner 
I don't know, garden year, garden, garden year. Then, and his wife Martha, they continued to investigate the case, and I, I don't really know why, but they did. Yeah, that's these what forensic I was ask accountants you. are like, "Fuck this! I'm, we're going to dig into it. I'm going to bring I mean, my I'm... wife in. Martha, get in here. <laughs> Let's look at these books, Mrs. Gungy. What did you say? <laughs> get over here." <laughs> and they concluded that Rogers did murder his parents and was later killed in Honduras. While they have dismissed John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers' claim that Rogers was a CIA operative due to a lack of evidence, they admit that Rogers did have dealings with contract workers for the CIA when he worked as a a seismologist. So the Gardeniers believe that Rogers planned the murder of his parents for years because his father was abusive. That's what I was going to ask, because whenever they go for the junk, it's usually like out of anger and rage. Yeah. They believe. But I don't want to say anything back because I don't know. But I'm just saying you would think. You mean that you don't know? Outside, but, well, I really do. I just was waiting for you to do the story so I right. could just blow it out of the water. You're like, my real name is Martha Gunnier. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what the fuck? Okay, anyway, they believe that his that both of his parents were actual actual devious con artists. According to them, Fred worked as a bookie who regularly engaged in illegal activities like gambling and fraud. And they believe he continued abusing Charles into adulthood and began stealing large sums of money from him. Yeah. The Garniers believed that after Rogers killed and dismembered his parents, he fled the U.S. from Mexico and was never found because he was aided by powerful friends. He had met uh, through his ham radio hobby and while working for various oil and mining companies. I mean, I bet he did have friends in high places. Yeah. For sure. He may have killed the president. I like mean, if we don't stop and realize, too, like, there's a whole theory that he is one of the people that killed the president. They've theorized that Rogers eventually made his way to Honduras, where he was killed over a wage dispute with miners. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get that? Wage dispute with miners. I want to know where the fuck did you get that? I want to know. It's yeah. like, or if I was just like, you know what? I have a theory. He got a hangnail. It got <laughs> infected. And then he died. You know what's dumb? I said, I know that my brain's still foggy because when you said minors, I thought of underage workers, like not adults. Oh, like just not like, like two 12 year olds that were tired yeah. of working at McDonald's. <laughs> I swear to God. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And, and that one doesn't either. But yours, the other one, my, mine, <laughs> yours makes a lot more sense. more sense than mine. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> These two 14 year olds are pissed off. He was trying to shortchange them. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't understand. No, I don't. Uh-huh. In October of 2003, Red Bud, which is really hard for me to not say Red Bug, Publishing, released The Icebox Murders, a novel written by the Garniers. Okay. I'm acting like it's Garnier Fruit Teas. That's what I've been thinking the whole time, those those 2000s commercials. According to a review in the Houston Press, The Icebox Murders is written as fact-based fiction and supposition. There are many unnamed characters in the book. Various politicians and attorneys, as well as eyewitnesses, who said he saw Rogers in Honduras after 1965. They also referred like that Publishers Weekly because apparently they're really important. Mm-hmm. Um, they also referred to the novel as fact-based fiction. The house in which the murders took place was located at 1815 Driscoll Street. After the murders, the house remained empty and unsold. It was torn down in 1972. It remained empty until 2000 when they decided to build condominiums. They built on condos it. on it? On the lot. That they haunted as fuck. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. 
That's yeah. the icebox murders, man. That's not so. Ain't that some crazy shit? And I knew a little bit about it, but I didn't know the theories behind it and all that shit. I so when I was reading it, I obviously first I searched by the icebox murders for all the people who want to know the the, the hard hitting facts and my research techniques. <laughs> I had looked up the murders and then I googled him because he's a whole thing in Wiki, like Wikipedia yeah. because of. The John F. Kennedy shit. Mm-hmm. So then you're reading and you're like, what the fuck? That is not so. So, obvi- okay. Obviously, he did something. Yeah. It's him. It was him. But it's like, he had so much knowledge. Like, you don't speak seven languages unless you're in the CIA. Right. I'm 100% confident. That's true. With all of my knowledge. With all of your knowledge. And he and he, and his career has nothing that requires a language. Yeah, that's true. Like, you worked he for U.S. Needed, oil companies. Well, you probably needed a couple for that. And he lived in Texas. But he but he literally was the one that would be like, dig here. You yeah. know, he would just work with him. And it was Shell oh, oil yeah. company. So just, like in my head, I just assume like a most companies that have bilingual like in my previous life, like they require you to use a specific language, like in contract dealings too. like when um, we worked with the French, like you were not allowed to speak French in the room. Huh. Like you can't speak the other languages. You have to speak whatever is agreed upon that language huh. because you could be lying. Or talking shit or all the other shit. Anyway, Man. So if that was the case, he didn't need all those languages. And then if he is tied to an assassination attempt and he's a pilot, he could have li- like he could have went anywhere. Yeah. But also, I just wonder if your dad was touching your naughty bits and you're a grown ass fucking CIA operative. Why the fuck would you go live with your parents if obviously you make a shit ton of money? That Where did your money was, go? That part's kind of, well, maybe his dad took it all. Unless he had planned it. Unless he was like, you know what? I'm just going to quit my fucking job. I've been planning this forever and I'm going to go cut off my dad's dick. Maybe they were. Chop it up and throw it in the toilet. Oh, God. Right? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, I don't know. I wonder maybe... how hard that would be to chop up. I feel like that's a very weird. A penis? Yes. I mean. I feel never... like you need a really sharp knife. I'd ask Lorraine about it. You ain't lying. I don't know. Didn't she chuck that out the window? Yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> she didn't want to chop it up, put it in her toilet. <laughs> She's like, no, Threw it I'm out not like doing a marble red. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> Poo on you. Throw down the windows. <laughs> Fuck with the crank. Remember that when you said seven languages, the only thing that was going through my head was you remember that old commercial with that red. Think of like one hundred percent. I know exactly red, what you're talking about. la juvie or something like. Do you yeah, remember? One hundred percent. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that. And it was that weird little cartoon guy. Yeah, and yeah. it was that blonde kid. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that just popped into my head when you said that. Well, maybe That's, we should learn the language. I no, I don't know. I just I feel like weird. Some shit happened. Yeah. And I think he. I don't think he died. I oh, think this motherfucker no. got on one of his planes that he hijacked or paid off or yeah. something, and he was boot scooting boogie, and he could have also like. Hit his money. True. What year was it? 65. Oh, yeah. Shit was going on. Yeah. Anything before 9-11, they were just airplanes in the sky. Right. Smoking up there. Fucking. Hijacks were all the time. They were. They did do that quite a bit. What? Fucking? Yeah. I know. Yeah. Wait, is that what you're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I saw that one show, Pan Am. They were fucking. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Smoking? Smoking on planes. Yeah. You were allowed to. Yeah. Weird. Just like at fucking Shoney's. <laughs> They'd be like smoking or not, and there's a bar with no window bar. Like, Nothing. I could sit eight inches away from you. I can't believe there's no, like, smoking um, little spots in airports anymore. 
Oh, yeah. I took them bitches out. They were like, you know what? We're not doing this. That's why you see so many angry people running outside, yep. <laughs> lighting their lighter in the middle of the automatic doorway. Yep. You ain't lying. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my story. That was wild. I thought it was an interesting one. It didn't yeah. make, sometimes, sometimes the stories don't make me sad. I hate to say that. Well, because the, this one was really riveting. Uh-huh. There's evidence that they weren't, they might not they have, might have been, been stellar yeah. people. But also old, old ones tend to... Oh, yeah. I'm going to do a throwback, I think. I don't yeah, know. I throwbacks gotta do, are fun. I got to do something. Well, um, just a fun fact on ones that we're about to be doing so that you guys can get excited about it. We're going to do Eileen Warnos here coming up. Guess where we're going to do it? Whenever we're at CrimeCon. When we're in Orlando, because that should happen in Florida. And you know how we, we are a bitch and a slut and a skank for a theme. You <laughs> know what these sassy sassles are? We are theming it. Yeah, You're we, right. We haven't done it in a while. We'll just and now we're about rogue. to. I'm literally going to bathe in themes for the next, I don't know, 16 weeks. Most likely. <laughs> I'm going to be themed all up and downtown. We ride at dawn. We do. We do. We That we do. Well, we love you guys. Um, you make our hearts full and really warm and happy. Yeah, thanks for putting up with us. Yeah. And thanks for subscribing. Keep yeah. telling your friends. Do it. <laughs> That's all I got. And you guys That's just, just do it. All right. All thank right. you. We love you. Love Bye. You Theodore, can I put that down? <laughs>